0: Verse 1 of this text is the stage for the rest of the book. So I've been there a while, and maybe today you'll understand why I was there for so long. Chapter 4, verse 1 through verse 6. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Merciful King, we come to hear you. And Father, I pray, as you know, I've been bugging you all week. That my brothers and sisters, my friends, will hear your spirit will strengthen them for the task that is at hand and father we would be overwhelmed by your presence we would be overwhelmed by the blessings that you've already given us and father the even the inheritance in the heavenlies help us to walk in love as christ loved us and gave himself up for us to you my king my Lord. Amen. I've been sharing with you doctrine versus duty, position versus practice. And I think that that we are in a a serious time. I I can go back before the Reformation and see the same thing happened. The average person's understanding of doctrine understanding of theology slowly got shuffled back to the quote-unquote professionals. And the professionals are the ones who would tell you what you're supposed to do because they were the ones who knew doctrine. They knew theology. They didn't necessarily share it with you. They just would tell you, this is what you're supposed to do. And you said, "Well, I must. That must be right because they're they're professionals. They're you know they're they're educated. They know. You know what? That's the church today. Uh, the thing is, is, the church wants it that way. We we want to hire people to be ministers. When if you read the New Testament." If you're a believer, you're a minister. And one of the tragedies that I have seen, gosh, over and over and over and over and over, is people don't understand who they are in Christ. What is a Christian? What is that? Well, it means a little Christ. No, 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 no. What does it mean to be a Christian? You know and it's funny because lost people all know what it means to be a Christian. And they'll tell you. Okay, now I don't know where they're getting their theology from, but they're more than happy to say, "Hey, you you can't be a Christian and you turn your turn signal on at the light." How can you be a Christian? I called this section uh, the lowly walk of our high position. And I I think about what I've studied and looked at in the first three chapters. And I think that you take every Christian and you plug it into that, and how high and how lofty and how exalted, how blessed with all spiritual blessings, and you have even been elevated into an eternal inheritance. That's every Christian. That's theology. That's doctrine. The Christian, we Christians, I don't care how strong you are in the faith. I don't care if you're brand spanking new. I don't care if you've walked with him longer than I am old. I don't care. But we are possessors of Christ. We are possessors of the Holy Spirit. We are possessors of the fullness of God. Every. Christian we own the unsearchable riches of Christ we own the gifts of Christ and yet this position is so high that we should walk lowly why none of that you did so how do you take pride in it I mean, you know, I can sit there and say, well, you're supposed to walk humbly. You're supposed to walk in gentleness. You're supposed to walk in patience. You're supposed to walk in a long-suffering love. Why? Because you possess it. It's yours. This high position is what Paul is begging because it demands a lowly walk. It demands it. It's not a negotiable You're not your own You've been bought and paid for with a price Everything has been focused That we've been looking at over the last month Now I want you to think about this The last month We have been looking at the call And that the Apostle Paul Is begging you and I To walk worthy of that call he understood that. Okay, now we've looked at it. The word walk is our daily conduct. Whether it is seen or is not seen. What is my daily conduct? How do I conduct myself? Whether I'm with people, whether I'm with lost people, whether I'm with believers, whether I'm with relatives, whether I'm at, by myself, how do I conduct myself? I mean, I look at the first 16 verses of chapter 4, and there's a call to walk in unity. Chapter 5, we are called to walk in love. Also called to walk in light. We're also called to walk wisely. Then chapter 5 and 6, we are to walk in the Spirit. At the end of chapter 6, to walk in warfare that's your daily conduct that's what you're looking at that's what cha- that's what verse 1 is setting up verse 1 is giving you and me what the rest of the book is going to be about when you see the power flow in response to a yielded life When we see that, we know that the power is there to walk worthy. We know that because the Word of Christ dwells in us richly. It's really amazing. And yet, what a heartache that even the Apostle Paul has to beg for it. that person that the Word of Christ dwells in richly, that person who has experienced the flow of God in His eternal Word, that person can handle everything, and they can handle anything. book of Psalms chapter 16 7 and 8 I will bless the Lord who has counseled me indeed my mind instructs me in the night I have set the Lord continually before me because he is my right hand I will not be shaken. See how that works? What are you going to throw at me? Really? What can't you handle? Well, if you try to handle it, you'll realize you can't. If you take his counsel, you'll realize that you are invincible. You can't stop me. That word that you see in your Ephesians 1, we looked at walk as our lifestyle, worthy. It's an interesting word in the original language. It means to equalize the scales. As a Christian, your life, your lifestyle should be equalized with your identity. See why doctrine is important? See, I can watch most people in a very short time and understand the God that they know. Okay? It's very easy. What is their focus on? What is important to them? Paul says that our lifestyle should equalize our identity in Christ. You will live according to the size of your God. Paul's focus could never change his commitment. Why? Look at the size of his God. So his focus could never change his commitment. That's why in verse 1 he says, in the New American Standard, I implore you. I urge you. I beg you. I plead with you. Paul's passion... What he cared about. That was Paul. Let's go read him. He never stopped. That was his focus. That was his passion. This is it. Brothers and sisters. This is it. There is nothing else. There's nothing else I need to look at. There's nothing else I need to think about. There's nothing else I need to be concerned about. And you know what? I understand this. I truly do. You know why? (laughs) It never feels like it's done. Years ago, and if you go into my office, you'll see over my left shoulder a framed picture of the Word of God, actually on this Bible, with a verse underneath it. Before I ever became a pastor, that verse in my readings, I experienced. Here's what it says. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. I know everybody's concerned we need more numbers. Really? I'll give you a challenge. We need more numbers? You complete in Christ? Because if you're not, we don't need more. We need to take care of the ones we got. Pretty amazing if you think about it. You know, I can look at it from this perspective. That there, brothers and sisters, is job security. You know what? There's always another one who's not complete in Christ, there's always a truth that needs to be shared. There's always someone else who needs to be hugged. And you know what? I've learned, and it's taken me almost 25 years. Even when the sermon is finished, it's not. What a job, eh? What about those who are not responding? Ever frustrate you, discourage you? Used to me. You know what it does now? Intensifies my prayer. I understand the struggles of family. I understand the struggles of work, employers, other employees. I understand those. I understand the struggles of our walks, the things that get in our way. Right? I had to go to the doctors on Wednesday. It was wonderful. I had gone to the gym, and I remember I was riding a stationary bicycle, and I was looking out, and I can look at the hills, and it was all cool. And I laid my head down, and I was praying and just pedaling my brains out. And I looked up. Everything was gone. And I was like, what happened? And then I thought, well, at first they've shut the shades. No, this stuff had just moved in, and it had gone. Well, when I went to the gym at, I don't know, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, I went in there, and it was 29 degrees. When I left, it was (laughs) 8. And and you sit there, and you go, well, well this is... And then, of course, I parked way up on the hill, so I have to walk all the way up there in the wind blowing, and my little sweatpants going... And it was was awful. You know, time you get up, you get in the leather seats of the truck, and you're like, they're not hot, and... (laughs) I remember one of the trainers says, "Don't you have one of them uh, you don't have one of them starters automatic starter things?" I said, "Yeah, but she's at work but uh, <laughs> so I understand the things that get in our way. I understand it the struggles. And you know what? I also understand as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the work is never done. There is, as Paul said, I understand my constant concern for the church. Listen, it's the passion in the heart Of the person of God. That the saints be made mature. And that's what keeps the drive. You know I hear about people saying. Well I burned out and I did this. And I sit there and I said. Well if you're trying to do that. To present every man complete in Christ. (laughs) You're going to burn out. I labor at it. But I also know who's doing it. And if we're expecting me to get it accomplished, it ain't going to happen. I'll give you another verse that shows us what Paul was dealing with. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Now the Galatians, he kind of had an attitude against because they were buying into works again. In 19, he says, My children, with whom I'm again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Okay? You ever dealt with that before? Someone that you've poured your soul into and you feel like you have to start over again? And you figure out, what the heck was that all about? I have birth pains, Paul says, How, Paul, I struggle with these pains. Ask a woman. Is that pleasant? Okay, as a believer in Jesus Christ, do you have that same kind of pain of the other Christians until Christ is formed in them? For each Christian to know the fullness of a worthy walk? Listen, my prayer, my passion has been for some time that I want you to know you can live a life that is equal to who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you do that, people envy you. That is the reason for the hope that is in me. I look at some Christians today and I was like, I don't know what's in them, but I hope I don't get it. The desire should be ours. First and foremost, for our own sake. But it also should be for Jesus' sake. It should also be for God's sake. It should also be for the church's sake. See, when you start seeing that concern, that's why we beg, we urge, we implore. Last week we partook of the Lord's table. Do you understand that what I'm sharing with you right now is the essence of the Lord's table? And yet, you ever seen how Christians today are so flippant with it? But oh, I didn't take the Lord's table today. Oh, well, gee whiz. I mean, it's not really that hard to figure in Castle Rock Baptist Church. It's the first Sunday of the month. And it says when you do this, we proclaim His gospel. That should be an overwhelming passion for a Christian. I must partake at the Lord's table. Why? It brings to memory what was done for me and I proclaim His gospel. But look at how we deal with it. Oh, it's too hot. Oh, it's too cold. I got something else to do. It's essential to the Lord's table. Why? Every man complete in Christ. Why? That's why we're eating this table. You can love. I don't know how a human being can say, I love the Lord Jesus Christ and forsake his table. I have no idea how that's possible. I got on my mom and stepdad over it. They didn't want to go. Why? It was too loud. I don't care. Do this during the singing and eat at the Lord's table. Well, you don't have to be that way. Yes, I do. I want you both complete in Christ. And being complete in Christ, one of the things is what? What? The Lord's table. But look around us today. Look around us today. Baptism. Why do we struggle with that? Some of us need to take a bath. I don't understand why that big deal. Well, that's baptism. I'm just not sure. Really? Well, it worked for Jesus. Why is that an issue? Let me tell you something. If baptism is an issue, well, I'd be in front of everybody and, you know, gee, that's kind of embarrassing. Really? Let me tell you something. If baptism bothers you, wait till he starts messing with your pride because your life is just about to turn extremely miserable. How about this one? This never is an issue for Christians. I've never seen this problem. Assembling together. Why is that an issue? Oh, I don't want to be complete in Christ. Well, that will to get it done. Well, I watched somebody on TV. Well, who was it? I don't remember. Kind of missed something, didn't it? Think about the things that the New Testament has asked us to do. And why is those a struggle? If I know who I am in Christ, there's none of it as a struggle. Love my neighbor as myself, piece of cake. But you don't understand who my neighbor is. No, but I do understand the depth of your sin. Listen, I'm sorry to break the news to you. Our lives tell us what our commitment to Christ is. Okay? You can fake it all day long, but you know what? It shines brightly on what is our commitment to Christ. Oh, I read my Bible. Oh, I pray. Do you? Let me ask you a question. you have a heart for the lost? Because if you read your Bible and you pray, I don't know how you don't have a heart for the lost. But, you know, I learned a long time ago, if I'm not willing to pray for the lost, I ain't going to ever be used to reach them. And I'm not talking about this, oh, Lord, save such and such. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting on your knees In your prayer closet or whatever it is and begging God to save that soul. Are you, have you ever shed a tear for a lost person? That's why we encourage. That's why we plead. That's why we beg. Why? That's the level of the commitment why that's the lifestyle the lifestyle says i implore you every one of you to walk worthy remember he used the term i a prisoner of the lord jesus christ singularly focused he was in jail he was chained to a roman soldier He was arrested. Uh, Well, the Jews said it was blasphemy. They snuck him out of Jerusalem and stuck him down in Caesarea Philippi. And Agrippa was having, well, this is an interesting conversation. I've never heard anything quite like this. Let's quit quizzing this guy. Put him on a boat, sent him to Rome. Got shipwrecked twice. Bitten by a poisonous snake. Other than that, it was an adventure-free trip. And yet he's in Roman chains and he says it is because of Christ. Let me ask you a question. I told you that he had a vertical view of everything. It didn't matter what was going on. It's vertical. Okay? And you can all look at me and smile and say, Amen, brother. Amen. Prisoner of Christ. Prisoner of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Are you a prisoner of Christ even when it's not convenient? Are you a prisoner of Christ when it's sacrificial? Are you a prisoner of Christ when I don't feel good? Are you a prisoner of Christ when your body aches? You ever notice that when it gets cold? Yeah, what is up with that? But anyway. Are you a prisoner of Christ when it's inconvenient? I don't have time. Really? If it's brought to your attention, then God just made you time. That's why the Apostle Paul understood that it was so crucial that he would beg us to walk. That our lives. The life of the body of Christ. Would be glorious testimony. Of the risen Lord. You know let's think. Let's, I want you to think about this. You, you get into the theological side of it. I showed it to you. But let me give you a practical side of this right now. Have you ever Begged. That each person here would bring someone every Sunday? You ever begged that? Look, it's very important because you know why? Time is urgent. I don't know when the race is over for any of us. But have you ever begged? I'll come and get you. I'll come get you. I'll pick you up. Heck, you never know. We might go out and get something to eat afterwards. The word, prayer, Lord's table, baptism. Have you ever really stepped up, stretched out, in begging people, says, I am going to use my gift. To serve the body. And I'm not going to ask people, Hey, you want to watch me serve? I'm going to see something that needs to be done, I'll just take care of it. Need somebody who needs a hug, and I'll just take care of it. Look, there's a need. I should call somebody. Nope. If it's been shown to you, guess what? It's your gift. Our gifts are for the service of the body. Your gifts are for me. My gift is for you. Get involved. See, that involvement is the evidence of the maturing of the saints, drawing to completion, perfection. That's spiritual maturity. It's not a matter of saying, you know, I noticed that, hey, that light fan, and light bulb is out, and that one's out. Who should I notify? I'd go find a guy with the ladder first. See? That's what it's about. I can sit and have all the theology in the world. I'm just going to sit here and be theological. But until that theology gets into your heart, then you'll start understanding. I need to beg people. I need to beg every single one of you. Walk worthy. Walk worthy. Bringing the saints to a place of completeness. Wow. See, do you understand? (laughs) That's the goal of ministry. Paul is begging. Walk worthy. Do you understand that that is the very center of Paul's commitment? He never stopped. Why? He was a prisoner. He had a vertical view. What is it? I need everybody to walk worthy. Who's everybody? Everybody. And I beg that they walk worthy. Listen, the servant of God gives their life to the king for the spiritual maturity of the king's flock. That's the servant of God. I will give my life for my king for the spiritual maturity of his flock. You know what? <laughs> That should be our only issue. There shouldn't even be another issue. That should be it. Listen. On a personal note, and I was very cautious about this, but I wrote it down, so evidently I'm supposed to. I have been in this church for... uh, almost 36 years. I have been the senior pastor a little over 24 years. I've seen a lot of things. I've endured a lot of things. There ain't nobody in this congregation remembers when I attended this church before I was even an elder. Ain't none of you been here that long. But you know what? I know that the people who are sitting here right now will never understand my concern for those who don't come. You will never understand that pain. By the way, it has absolutely nothing to do with giving. Giving is a spiritual issue, but you know what? If you ain't here, you'll never get that. You'll never understand that. I can sit and tell it to you all day long. You know, giving is a spiritual thing. But if you're not here, you'll never know why. Now think about it for a second. Colossians one twenty eight. Admonish. Strengthen for what? To present every man complete in Christ. You know what? I can't do that if you're not here. So do you see the pain? I work weekend and week out letting God provide this meal and then my job is to try to get it out here without spilling it. But you can't eat it if you're not here. The heartache. Because the heartache always comes back to this simple thing that sticks in my head. When I think about the Apostle Paul, I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I go, whoa. I'm thinking for Paul that was not really convenient. Right? But you know what I saw in that? What was his commitment? Then ask yourself a question. (laughs) What was going to move him off his commitment? Nothing. So when people don't come to church, you know what you're telling me? This is my commitment. And if I'm supposed to present everybody complete in Christ, it makes it tough. You know why Paul begged? That's the heartache. Where's the commitment? Listen, if you're not around, I don't know where you are spiritually. I do know where you're not. But it does drive the specific prayer. Simple, specific prayer. That God would deepen commitment the deeper the completeness of our lives each and every one of you the word of Christ would dwell in each of you richly and it would equalize your living with who you are in Jesus Christ why very selfish about it that God will be glorified Christ would be exalted. The calling of which you were called is the original Greek. Walk in a manner of the calling with which you have been called. Our lifestyle should equal the calling to which we were called. All right. Who called? What is this calling? Have you ever thought about it? Who called you to Christ? Well, it's Billy Graham. (laughs) No one. Who called you to Christ? Jesus said it this way. No man come to me except the Father draw them. Romans chapter 11 verse 29. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Romans chapter 8. Those who are predestined, He also called. Whom He called, He also justified. Those that He justified, He also glorified. Who called you? God did. Who chose you in Him before the foundations of the world? God did. Who wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life? before there was a world you need to understand this you need to grab hold of that god did it and each of you have been called by god jesus said you have not to his disciples you have not chosen me but i have chosen you john 15:16 there's a theme of this. First Corinthians chapter 1, 26 and 27. For consider your calling, brethren. You were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, nor many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. That's what God did. Second Thessalonians, chapter one, verse 11. To this end, we also pray for you always, that our God would count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. Second Peter chapter one, verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. So, calling and election kind of go together, don't they? God is the one. Who chooses. God is the one who calls. Listen. So many people. Think it was a simple personal choice. Just give me the information. Sounds like a good deal. Give her a shot. Because you know. I was saved because I decided to be saved. So. If I decided to be saved, then I'll have a level of commitment to that, wouldn't I? You know, if I decide to do it, then it's worth doing. You know what? That's borderline heresy. If I'm a Christian, it is because of God's sovereignty, holy Almighty God, who rules the universe, wrote my name in the book before he created anything. The eternal, holy God of the universe chose me to spend forever in his presence. Kind of a different view, isn't it? I would hope that that would add to your response of your heart. Out of all of the world, out of all of the generations since Adam and Eve, He chose you. Why? Why? He's God. Listen, however you cut it, that's a high calling. I, you know, I, I watch young people, and there comes a time when the heart is fluttering, and the guy gets up and he gets on one knee and says, I can't do that. <laughs> Yeah. Here we go. (laughs) I've searched the world, baby. Near and far. And I want you. And you give her a ring. And the girl goes, That's pretty important if you looked around the whole world, huh? then you'll get that one that says, I haven't looked, so hang in there. I'll be back. <laughs> you, know? you see what I mean? We look at that and we think, wow, that's totally awesome. I chose you. Think about this. God chose you. It's a high calling. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. He tells the church in Philippi, it is a high calling. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, he tells young Timothy, it's a holy calling. Writer of Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says, it is a heavenly calling. What a calling from an infinite God. Now then, do you understand why the Apostle Paul begged? I implore you. Why? I beg you to respond to this calling. The call to be a saint. The call to be his child. The call. You need to walk worthy. Brothers and sisters, guess what? That's verse 1 of chapter 4. Kind of amazing if you think about it. This is what my fifth message. And it's all got to do with one. What is it? Sixth. Everybody has to correct me. <laughs> That's sixth message. Do you understand what I'm doing? Do you understand what Paul did? I want you to see verse one. Why? I beg you. I, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I implore you. I beseech you. I urge you. Walk worthy of this calling. You know what happens next? He tells you what it is. From verse 2 to the end of chapter 6. This is what the calling is. I've been setting the stage. You know what? I was leaving my office this morning to come out here, and I thought, man, what a stage. Because this is important. It took me six weeks to get through it. Why? Because this is what the rest of Ephesians is. The rest of Ephesians explains verse 1 of chapter 4. Listen, I'll give you a little illustration. You got saved you came to, you came to salvation I'm a child of the most high God okay, and as soon as you got saved immediately on your forehead appears miraculously like a tattoo it says watch me i'm a child of God okay and you're not allowed to have bangs or anything anymore okay sorry <laughs> because we can't wear hats and all the rest of it. but it says right there on your forehead Watch me. I'm a child of God. Watch me. I'm his child. What do you look like? What is your lifestyle? Listen, Colossians tells me that I wear the name of Jesus Christ. Don't you think we should walk worthy of it? If you say yes, then it's my turn. I beg that each and every one of you do in the completeness of what you possess in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Oh, Father. I beseech your throne. That each of us would walk worthy. That each of us would understand the calling. I mean, first the privilege. I mean, I guess the high calling, but it's... There is no other like it on the planet. Help me to walk worthy. Father, keep that drive in me to present every man complete in Christ until that day my faith becomes sight. Father, may that drive be passed on to these brothers and sisters that they would understand the urgency of the day. Yet, Father, each of us would walk worthy. I beg you, in Christ, Christ alone. Amen.